Well, like um, last night's football game, uh, the book of Ephesians is a book of two halves. Okay, the first, it's six chapters in total, and the first three chapters are really all about doctrine, and that's what we've covered so far in this sermon series. And now today, we're starting looking at the second half of uh, the letter of Ephesians, chapters four, five, and six, and they're more about application. So it's about applying the, the truths, the doctrine that we've looked at in the first half of the letter. And the main thing I think we've discovered uh, by looking at those first three chapters of Ephesians so far is this, that the church is the place where God is declaring to all the world what God is doing in this world. Now, as you look at that claim up there, that is a big claim. It's claiming that church isn't just some sort of fun little hobby that we come and do on Sundays. It's claiming that church is not some sort of fun little hobby for God that he does on Sundays and just looks down and says, oh, isn't it lovely, all these people gathering in little groups and worshiping me? No, no. The claim is that the church is the place where God is declaring to all the world what he is doing in the world. And do you know what God is doing in this world? Above all, what God is doing in this world is God is bringing about unity. That's what we discovered right at the start of the letter. If you go back to Ephesians 1 and verse 10, it says there that God's whole purpose, what his work is, his whole purpose is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's God's goal. That's what God is working to do in this world to bring about a future, a new heaven and a new earth where everything is united under Jesus Christ. Now, you look around at this world now, and you maybe might want to say to God, in the words of John McEnroe, you cannot be serious, God. I mean, this world, it looks like a place full of disunity, doesn't it? You know, Russia invading Ukraine, the Tory party imploding, 42% of marriages ending in divorce in this country. God, is this a sick joke that you are working for unity? Because it doesn't look like it. And God would reply, and he'd say, what sin is doing... I am undoing in Jesus. Because sin, what is sin about? Sin is all about dividing. Wherever sin is, sin divides. And God is undoing that division and he is bringing about unity. And what we've seen that looks like in the first few chapters of Ephesians, we've seen it looks like God bringing about through Jesus a unity vertically between us and God and a unity horizontally between one another, even back then between Jew and Gentile. Now, how does the church fit into all that? Well, remember that the church, when it talks about the church in the Bible, it's the people, it's us, it's not the building. But just for a moment, just think of all the sort of big developments up in, um, you know, Battersea Power Station. You know, loads of luxury flats being built there. And what did they do to sell all those luxury flats up in Battersea Power Station? In all the marketing, what did they do? They created a show home, didn't they? They created a show flat. They created one flat and they said, this is what it can look like. Isn't it amazing? This is awesome. It looks beautiful and it certainly does. And, and, it, and that was what you could look at while the rest of the flats were still being made. And in a sense, what God is doing is he's saying that the church, the church is my show home. The church is my show flat. The church is my pilot scheme for what I am doing for the whole universe, which will grow and grow and grow. And yes, at HDC, we're not perfect. And I'm going to come on to that. 
But just to take, you know, last Sunday, Jubilee Sunday as an example, last Sunday we had in our service, we had people from Ukraine and people from Russia together. We had people who worked for the Conservative Party and people who worked for the Labour Party together. We had both Jew and Gentile. See, the church, when it is working well, it is the most beautifully diverse society united in Jesus and united with one another. People should look at us, the church, and they should say, I want some of that, that awesome unity, I want it. And that's why when Paul gets to the end of the first half of his letter, end of chapter three, he he finishes with this amazing prayer. He prays, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory, where? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul's praying, he's praying that we, the church, the people of God, we would be a demonstration of the glory of God to the world around us. We are to be that show home. And so now, as we venture into the second half of the letter now, the application, as Paul urges the Ephesian church and he urges us, the Clapham church, to live up to that vision in the first three chapters, He urges us, he says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received, verse one of chapter four. And as he does that, it's no surprise that he begins by focusing on unity. First of all, the source of unity. Have a look in the passage, look at verse three. Have a look at verse three, chapter four, verse three. What does Paul write? He writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. See, unity, it comes from the Holy Spirit. What happens when anybody comes to faith in Jesus? Just like Steph was talking about for herself. What happens when someone comes to faith in Jesus? The Holy Spirit comes to live in them. Whoever they are, all sorts of different people, the same one Holy Spirit comes to live in them. You know, I think back to when I, I was a, a, just become a Christian. Uh, I, I came to faith in Jesus age 17 and went about nine months later, age 18, I was teaching English in a Bible college in Borneo in the foothills of Mount Kinabalu. And I remember just being staggered and amazed at the unity I had with these men and women at that Bible college that were so different from me in so many different ways outwardly. And yet what was the source of our unity? It was the fact that the one same Holy Spirit lived in each one of us. That was the source of our unity. Or look down at how it continues, just Paul's ramming this home. Look at the next verse. Verse four, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Seven times Paul uses that word one. He says, all our unity, it stems from our God, the God who is one and yet is three in one. You know, today, if you're sort of into church calendar type things, today is Trinity Sunday. We are Holy Trinity Clapham. And think of the Trinity. In these verses here, it says about one spirit, about one Lord Jesus Christ, about one God and Father. They're all mentioned here. They have been together forever. They have been perfectly united, never divided, three in one. That is the source of our unity, God. But second, we have the struggle for unity. You know, the problem is, if we are honest, much of the time the church looks like a showroom 
that has been ransacked and trashed, doesn't it? Doesn't look very appealing. You know, on the big scale, we see and hear of churches splitting. We, we, we see and hear of huge divisions and disagreements, even in the Church of England that we're a part of, you know, over issues of sexuality, over issues of whether church plants should happen or not, over all sorts of things. On the smaller scale, within the local church here, you know, I am grateful for the unity that exists here in HTC at the moment, but I don't take it for granted. Over the 10 years that I have been part of this church, there have been times of disunity between church members over their views on some of the directions that the church has taken, sometimes painful disunity. And whilst we might be fairly united as a whole church at the moment, again, let's be real. There are instances of disunity between different church members relationally. In fact, I can think of quite a few instances at the moment where there are members of the church who are struggling with the the pain of of disunity, of disagreement with another church member. You know, we are supposed to be this showroom to the world, yet there are about 600 to 800 reasons why disunity can happen in this church because there are about 600 to 800 of us in this church and we're all sinful. The struggle for unity comes about because of our sin. And that's why Paul writes what he does in verse three. Look what he says. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying saying we've got to make an effort to keep this unity because of our sin. Third, the surprise of unity. Now, the surprise of unity is unity is not the same as uniformity. You know, the whole joy of a church community is there should be a great diversity of people. You you can see some of the diversity of of, of gifts and roles in verse 11. If you look down at verse 11, as Paul talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers, he's saying different parts of the one body with different gifts, great diversity. If you were on the HTC church weekend away, you may remember Pete Nicholas saying there shouldn't be an HTC type. It shouldn't be an HTC type. A church, as in the title of this sermon series, church is for everyone. With all sorts of different gifts and skills and types, one might add with all sorts of different ages and races and class backgrounds. And that really leads us finally, and perhaps most importantly, to the solution for unity. The solution for unity. Now, we've had so far the source of unity, that's God. We've had the struggle for unity because of our sin. We've had the surprise of unity, that actually unity is in diversity. But I wonder what you think is the solution for unity. What would be the one word that you might choose is the solution for unity? The solution for unity, it is maturity. It's maturity. If you look at verse 12, Verse 12 talks about Jesus, and Jesus is equipping his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Or again, look at verse 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So really, HTC, what we need to ask is in what ways do you and I need to be mature. Firstly, 
maturity in our thinking. Here is, if you like, the world's view on unity. And I fear this is too often the Church of England's view on unity too. Okay, this is what I think it is. It says, to have unity, what we do is, if you like, we all stand around the rim of some giant wheel. Okay, and we've got our hands all sort of stretched out, desperately trying to reach out to the next person to hold hands with them and try and have unity with them. Be unified, even though as we stand all around this giant wheel, we all think different things about all sorts of things, completely different things. But we're madly sort of trying to stretch out our hands and hold each person's hand to sort of hold a unity, even though we think totally different things. That is the unity of sort of the lowest common denominator. But that is not the solution to unity according to the Bible. Now, look at the emphasis of our passage. It is all about teaching. It's all about us maturing in our thinking by being taught. So if you look down, look at uh, the, the roles listed in verse 11. They all have an emphasis on teaching the whole church family. Verse 13 talks about knowledge of the Son of God. Verse 14, it encourages us no longer to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You see, see, unity comes not as we all believe whatever we like, ignore what the Bible teaches us, just stretch wide and try and be united even though we think different things on everything. Now, unity comes, this passage says, as we mature in our thinking so that our thinking is more and more in line with Jesus as revealed to us in the Bible. You see, unity comes not by all of us staying on the rim of this giant wheel, but actually unity comes as each one of us, we move down the spokes of the wheel to the hub, to the center where Jesus is, where God's word is. It is as we all move down the spokes to that center, as we mature in our thinking, that is how we become more united. So we need maturity in our thinking. Secondly, we need maturity in our serving. I wonder if you've noticed the logic of uh, verses 11 to 13. You know, God's, it says there, God gives some people to these different roles in the church, and what are they to do? Are they to do all the work themselves? Well, no, that's not what it says. Look at verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? It says, to equip his people for works of service. You see, the danger of a church like ours, which has a biggish staff team, is that we think that the staff are here to serve me. You know, staff do all the work, they put on lots of lovely events and services, the staff do, 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 and I just consume it. But no, that's not it at all. The staff team, this verse says, are here to equip all of us, every single one of us, to do the works of service. I love it, just to pick one example, you know, Rory. Rory's our, our worship pastor. Rory's role is not to lead musical worship every single service, every single event, but rather it is to equip others to lead the musical worship in our church under his overall leadership. And I wanna say this morning, if you are here and you're feeling like you're not sure what your work of service is, even maybe you're feeling like, well, am I really needed in the church? Can I first apologize for that? But second, can I encourage you to talk to one of the staff team and ask them to help you to get involved in an appropriate area? Perhaps you might want to email Josh particularly, josh.moxon 
at holytrinityclapham.org and Josh will work with you on how you can get involved. Because you see, here's the thing, as well as your work of service in of itself being a blessing, actually it also will lead to unity. Just look, look at the logic of verse 12. Verse 12 continues, it says all these specific roles, they're given, why? To equip his people, all of us, every single one of us, to equip all of us for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. So the solution for, for unity, it's maturity. Maturity in our thinking, maturity in our serving, and then maturity in our loving. Just have a look at the three times that the word love is used in our passage. First of all, verse two at the beginning. Verse two, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. What an amazing verse. This verse assumes that there are things that are gonna be happening or people or decisions at church that will disappoint us. Sometimes it may be me that disappoints you. We are gonna have frustrations. People will rub us up the wrong way. People will even sometimes sin against us. And so each one of us, we need this verse says to be mature in love. It says bear with one another in love. It says we need to learn to think not how would I like things to be, but rather what would be best for everyone. Saying let us learn to show compassionate love to those people in the church family that we find tricky. Or look at verse 15. Use of the word love again. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Literally, that verse, it says, instead, truthing in love. Truthing in love. You see, love doesn't mean that we never, ever challenge anybody. Love, it becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. But truth becomes hard if it isn't softened by love. We need both together. And when occasionally we do challenge people, when we raise an issue, we do it in love, speaking the truth in love. And we do it already having a relationship with someone, a good, a good relationship with them. Maybe we, we, we're in the same connect group with them or we know them through a sort of area of the church we're serving in. We don't just march up to someone that we hardly ever know and bring some sort of giant challenge to them. We're called to hold truth and love together in our relationships with each other. And did you know love begins this passage we're looking at today and it ends the passage we're looking at today. Verse 16, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows, we grow as a church. It builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The solution for unity is maturity. Now, as I close, I'd love you to just um, think on the man of the moment. That is obviously Prince Louis, okay? Just think on Prince Louis. You'll have seen that this picture of him uh, sticking his tongue out, blowing a raspberry uh, at his mum last weekend, okay? There he is, and I imagine as you saw that image, whenever you saw it, whether you saw it live or a few days later, I imagine you thought, oh, how sweet. He's so adorable. What a cheeky chap. Isn't he lovely? But just imagine last weekend that it wasn't Prince Louis doing that, but it was Prince Charles. <laughs> Prince Charles sticking his tongue out, blowing a raspberry at his mum, the Queen. I imagine if that had happened, you wouldn't have been going, oh, how sweet. 
Isn't he lovely? You'd have been going, grow up, Charlie boy, grow up. And I wonder whether today, actually the challenge for many of us is to humbly receive that challenge to grow up, to mature. Yes, some of us here, we need to be encouraged. Perhaps some here who've been hurt by the actions or by the words of someone else in church or indeed perhaps hurt by the church as an institution as a whole. And if that's you, I am so, so sorry. Perhaps some here have felt on the edge or on the margins of the church. Perhaps this church, and again, I'm so sorry if that is you. You need to know the encouragement that you are a vital part of the body that makes up this church. But I wonder, actually, if more of us, we need to hear that challenge, grow up. That's what I need to hear. We need to grow up. Grow up in our thinking as we sit under the authority of God's word. We need to grow up in our serving, getting involved, working to use the different gifts that we have to to build up the whole church, not just consuming church. We need to grow up in our loving, bearing with each other, showing humility, gentleness, patience, yet in the right context, speaking the truth in love. Let me show you three immature people that need to grow up. There they are on the screen. First one's grown-up thinker. Grown-up thinker, he's got a big head. But actually, they're immature in their serving and their loving. Others of us, we might be grown-up lover. We've got a big heart. Others might be grown-up servers. We've got big hands and feet. But to be grown up, to be mature, actually we need all three of those to be growing and maturing. We need to be mature in our thinking and our loving and our serving. And if it's only one, two or three, or two of them, no, we need to mature. We need to grow up, all of us, in thinking, loving, serving. And that's true as a whole church as well. The church is described as the body of Christ. And as a church, as a whole, we need to grow up in our thinking, in our loving, and in our serving. Jesus prayed, didn't he, on the night before he died. And he prayed for us. He prayed, just on the night before he died, for all people who would put their trust in him throughout history. He prayed for the church. And Jesus prayed just one thing for us. And that one thing was he prayed for unity. Just have a look. It'll come up on the screen. John 17, verse 22. God the Son, day before he goes to the cross, praying to God the Father, speaking to God the Father. And this is what he says. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they, that's all the people who believe in him, that's the church, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That is Jesus' prayer for us today. Church, that we, together, this community, as we maturely live out our unity in the Spirit, His prayer is that we can be that showroom, that show flat, demonstrating what God 
is doing in this world through Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray.